Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and we are coming off of Thanksgiving week in the United States. Of course, this is 2022. The 59th anniversary of Doctor Who was the day before Thanksgiving. Next year, we will actually have, I believe, if I'm not incorrect here, the 60th anniversary will actually fall on Thanksgiving Day in the United States. Interesting, but that's next year. What's this year? What's this episode? Again, I'm Kyle Jones, and it would not be discussing who without Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, welcome back. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Uh, I I was both happy and sad by what you just said. Do we have to really have to wait another year until we're Doctor Who? Is that what you're saying there? I think so, but all good things come We're not sh- to those yeah. who wait. And who else is going, mm-hmm. hmm? Lee Shackelford. Mm-hmm. How are mm-hmm. you, my friend? Well, indeed. Well, indeed. And I'm so grateful for so many things. Um, and and I suggested that we do an episode just talking about that. And so I'm, I'm one of the things I'm grateful for is that we're doing it. You know what? Even though we are waiting a year... Maybe because there's going to be four specials in 2023. I believe three of those four specials are going to be in November. That leads me to speculate we will have a Christmas episode next year, but we could also have a spring episode for all I know. Who knows? But we are here to talk gratitude and we had planned to do this the week of Thanksgiving and me put this out Thanksgiving weekend. That was the original plan, but I'm actually happy that we are recording this after Thanksgiving. And the reason for that is many people, myself included, focus on being thankful, giving thanks on Thanksgiving week. It's fresh in your mind. It's there front and center. But for many of us, It's not the week after Thanksgiving. We've moved on to the next great thing. And I think this episode, what we want to give for everyone listening, is just a reminder of enjoying what you have, being grateful for what you have, being grateful for the things you don't like. And we want to talk about how gratitude impacts the things that we watch, the things that we do. And I think that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Would you guys agree? I would. And it, this was this was my idea, my suggestion. So um, if I can, I'll, I'll add a little more background to that. Uh, my wife is a social psychologist, as many of you know, and um, and at our and we're Unitarian Universalists at our at our in our church and in churches around the world, or you know, certainly across America. In November, we've been talking about gratitude a lot. And um, the the reason why I mention a spiritual and a psychological thing in the same breath is because there's a growing body of science that, that shows, that has shown us something about ourselves, which is that gratitude is good for you. The being grateful and having a regular practice of expressing your gratitude has uh, physical health benefits that helps you live mm. longer. 
helps your mind to be sharper. Uh, it, it helps regulate blood pressure. There's been an impressive body of science about this. I'll encourage people to go to the website Psychology Today, all one word, psychologytoday.com. Let's see, there is a search engine. There's one search engine that will help you find a psychologist, but there's another one that, to look at the articles that are on Psych Today. And just Google the word gratitude, and you'll start seeing the articles about this. I was just going to do it so that I'm checking myself that that works the way I think it does, and I'm not seeing it. So maybe I've just made a fool of myself. Let's see. <laughs> anyway, if you can figure out how to search psychology today, uh, all the blogs there, including Dr. Karen Shackelford's, but just, just look at that. And it got me thinking that we committed a long time ago, whether we intended to or not, to being the, the positive show. You know, we hear a lot of uh, griping on social media about things that we're uh, not happy about. And in our social medias, you know, I think that we always said we want to try to find the good and talk about why we care. And I think that's good. I think that that's sort of our our mission statement of discussing who, whether we intended it or not, was we're expressing our gratitude for Doctor Who. And Kyle, from the very beginning, has started this off by welcoming Clarence and me aboard and usually talking mm -hmm. about how glad he is to be doing this with us and I don't, those are not just words, you know, I'm so grateful to be sitting here tonight talking with the two of you as we've done hundreds yeah. of times mm. now. <laughs> mm. And I'm grateful for it every time and grateful to think that there are people who are uh, perhaps listening to this show. Maybe they're listening to us for the first time. And if so, welcome aboard. And we just want you to know we're really, we're really thankful for if you've got other things you could be doing and our people who... Uh, listen all the time. We really appreciate that too. You know, same thing. You you got other things you could be doing. So th that was my suggestion. Was just uh, dig into the things we're really grateful for about this intellectual property. And and if I understand right, Kyle, you were saying we can go we can go outside the bounds of that too. We're going to talk about Doctor Who and and other things. But oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Because it's interesting, That's you know, right. everybody tells a story. And for some people, it's writing. Our friend Shannon writes episodes of Oz 9. You wrote Relativity. For me, I really write this in my mind, every episode that I do, as a story. I have a mm -hmm. central question that I know is the center of it. There's my ending. There's my beginning. You know, everything just weaves as a story and i hope that i weave for everyone listening a great story of gratitude and taking away how fictional properties whether it's television whether it's a book you're reading whatever that case may be if it's comic books if it's novels whatever how those can if you choose positively impact your life so clarence i want to ask you a question. Do you think as a Doctor Who as a property, what appealed to you about doing a podcast? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what made you feel comfortable, want to do a podcast about Doctor Who? Well, I think the first thing is just it being an extension of conversations we would have way back in the day in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. <laughs> Uh, while we both were working there on the job and just an extension of those conversations and hearing about 
your conversations with uh, Podshock uh, of the same nature and just wanting to be in that conversation. And, and again, as, as Lee just said, um, this gratitude that someone out there is actually interested in what we have to say about this property. But first and foremost, just <laughs> having a water cooler, <laughs> they say have water coolers, conversation know what that is with, with, with you guys <laughs> no. the chat yes that's right it's the chat yeah. room of the 21st do century. they have chat rooms oh, anymore <laughs> it's it's the, what about it's the twitch thread of the <laughs> what a good point it's it's the snap. do we have twitter yes anymore? Oh, it's the, we do but barely <laughs> It's barely. the it's the Mastodon <laughs> server of the of the twenty uh, twenty twenty three. That's right. It's the Discord channel. It's the whatever the case may be, mm. where, wherever yeah. you congregate. And Lee, I want to ask you the same question. You know, you and I were already on Podshock, and here I come with you to another Doctor Who podcast. What about Doctor Who said to you? Right. I don't mind yeah. talking about this and, twice. And- and heaven knows there are plenty of Doctor Who podcasts out there already, right? Yeah, why does the world need one more? I'm not even... Oh. So, but why? Why did you enjoy it? I mean, why? what about it? You didn't know Clarence at the time. The two of you met. So what... And, and where I guess where I'm pushing to is Doctor Who. <laughs> what about Doctor Who made you want to talk about it twice it's it's the giant depth and breadth of ideas in doctor who just the simple fact that we've got a franchise that is nearly 60 years old and even though there's a great hiatus in the middle of that there was still a fan base that was growing all the time during those uh during those dark times between the ends of the original series and the tv movie and then the the reboot and then there's big finish and then, you know, then the spinoffs and so on. So it's this, it's, it's as deep as it is wide. And there's just so many things to talk about. And the genius of this show is that it has survived by continually reinventing itself. So there are people who are loyal third doctor fans, you know, <laughs> and, and people who uh, feel like the best thing that ever happened to the show is Peter Capaldi, you know, and, and the fact that everybody's got these these sort of niches that we can stand in and respect each other's space, you know, it's it's just endlessly fascinating. So, yeah. so there is a method to my madness here and where I'm weaving my story toward is, mm. you know, I wanted to get out of the door why Doctor Who was important. And honestly, Clarence, I'm going to mirror what you said to answer my own question I loved having the conversations with you about Doctor Who. I loved hinting things to you, whether it be the only water in the forest is the river or just wait till you get to season or series six or except, you know, these little hints that I tried to weave out through our conversations. I wanted to weave them out Mm -hmm. in a podcast. And here we are almost 300 episodes later. And I am grateful that we are almost at 300 because some podcasts don't make it to three. Some of them (laughs) don't make it to 30. Here we are almost to 300. I'm grateful for that. (laughs) I'm grateful for the single fact that the three of us who really had nothing in common other than Clarence, you and I working together and 
meeting virtually and having this bond that was created over a, a fictional television show. Indeed. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And when you were challenging me to think about uh, other shows that have had a profound impact on me or that I just, you know, am grateful for, that's that's one of the things I thought about was um, the friends that I've made, thanks to Doctor Who, the, the people that I've met in my life and gotten close to because of the original Star Trek series. Mm. That, you know, maybe when the day is done, that becomes the best thing about them. So let me ask you guys a question. I want to move away from Doctor Who, and I want to hmm. ask a question. How is, and of course, we're talking Doctor Who, but any fictional television program, how is a fictional television program good for the viewer? Or any fictional narrative, for that yeah. matter. <laughs> well, I'll point people to my wife's body of work and uh, say, here's some books you should read, because this is... Um, one of her central fields of study, um, the the impact that different kinds of consumed media have on people and the power of story in our lives and the importance of the fictional narrative to the real world. That it's easy to dismiss these stories as saying, well, that's not really true. That doesn't really happen. But when we are engaged in the stories, when we're watching the show, when we're reading the book, when we're um, you know, experiencing the play or whatever it is, we, we choose to go live inside that world. And so we are there as far as our brains are concerned, we're having that experience, even when what we can at the same time, consciously be aware that this is a, a story that somebody else made up. But she astonished a group of, of uh, an audience one time by saying, Spider-Man is real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because what she's asked you to do is to hold in your head a two things at the same time. We know that's not true. On the other hand, think how much time you've spent with him yeah. in your mind. He's important to you. And it doesn't matter who the actor is who's playing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> you know, apparently not. So, you mm -hmm. know, he, he must be real. And, and it's that, it is that whole conundrum. Mr. Spock helped me get through high school. And I don't say that lightly at all. I understood as somebody who felt like an outsider, like an alien. I was not well-liked in my, in my circle, and I knew I was smarter than everybody else. No brag, just fact. And, you know, and nobody cared. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter to any of the people at my uh, podunk high school. So, um, you know, I would just, I, I spent a lot of time doing my Leonard Nimoy impression. <laughs> Indeed. And indeed, that's right. And I, I, you know, people knew me. They knew that I talked like that. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, but I, but because I, I did, I identified like mad with this guy who is, who is the smartest person in the room, no matter what. And very often people won't listen to him anyway. And he is neither this nor that, you know, he's, he's not a Vulcan. A lot of Vulcans would say he's not a human. And sometimes the people that he's closest to don't know what to make of him. And yet he has so many admirable qualities and, you know, fictitious character played by an actor that I, that I've met. He, he's not Mr. Spock. He's Leonard Nimoy, but my golly, he was so important to me. And, mm. you know, I know so many people who've got a story like that. But Kyle's story about, you know, moving from one place to another, from a job to another. And the feeling of, 
regenerating. Mm, that you, yes. That's, you said, wow, you know, I, I've seen my hero do this so many times and they always come out okay on the other side. Uh, Clarence, what about you? Very good, because I think I, I have hit on something that I, I'm curious to what Clarence's response is. So, Clarence, the question back to you. How is any television program or any fictional work good for someone? Uh, good for someone. Uh, or well, good for you. Yeah, or, you I, know, think it's, I think it's kind of difficult because there's the aspect of it being entertaining uh, am I, do I have joy in this? Does this make me happy? Am I entertained by the narrative of the story? And then you also have the, a part of that where it's about feeling something. Is this property trying to make me feel a particular, particular way? Uh, which might not, might not be good, which <laughs> it might not be very entertaining. If the intent of the property is not to make you feel good, it might be, have a message for you to make you mm -hmm. feel a particular way. I think about speaking of shows, I think about this show, particular episode of Fresh Prince, where he's bummed out because he, his dad doesn't want him, you know, as even as a almost grown man. Yeah. It's a comedy, but they are making me feel something that makes me feel icky, but that's the creative intent of that moment. So it's it's very it's very hard when you say what's good. I think it's all kind of depending on where you're coming from when you're actually uh, viewing or listening or reading said entertainment. So I guess it's uh, whatever floats your boat, <laughs> kind of. Okay. Right. All right. I, all right. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I want to take a negative perception. We're talking about being positive. So I want to take a negative perception and I want us to push back on that negative perception. Hmm. So the first one that I'm going to give us is... Television is mind-numbing. Clarence, push back on that. How could television not be mind-numbing? Television is engaging. It makes you think by putting stories in a slightly different environment, say space, <laughs> with mm -hmm. some real-world uh, problems that are kind of translated to that space show, whichever show it is. Uh, it makes you think harder about a particular thing that's going on in, in your world, in your life. You know, the fact that this character, one side of his face is white and the other is black and, and they're feuding because it's switched the other way around <laughs> uh, for some of the people. It makes you think about the, the fruitless arguments we have here about things and, and how ridiculous some things are. So um, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Yes, no. absolutely. Television and video games and, and movies are as mindless as we can make them as participants. There, There is passive viewing where yes. you're just sitting and, you know, things are reflecting off your eyeballs. Kim but Kardashian? any story. <laughs> yeah, for, Sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to give utterance to the name. But yeah. There, <laughs> what did you say? Kardashian? <laughs> Yeah, uh, but but you know that's deeply involving for some people. To, not not me, but indeed. you know, uh, they really really want to know what's going on with those people because um, they they view them as aspirational figures. You know, I wish I was more like that. Or God, look at this train wreck. You know, you, you can't look away because yeah, it's like watching a, an accident on the highway. But yeah. but if, if you're if you're viewing something actively if it's making you think yeah if it's challenging you in any way if it's making you angry mm. you know mm. 
I mean, so that a show like Fresh Prince can 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 bring up things that are deeply important, you know, in the real world. And, you know, I think some of the best comedy is about real things, is about serious things. Um, and very often that's what makes it funny. You know, I, I'll take I'll take something a little bit closer mm. to home for us. I remember listening, re- well, reading Relativity, mm. some of the parts of the end of Relativity. The conclusion, everyone listening, go out relativitypodcast.com. But th- there are episodes toward the end of Re- Relativity. When I read it, when I listened to it, it made me cry. Yeah. Episode 78 mm. of Oz 9, or 76, 76. Mm. One of the, it was oh. in the late 70s, I think 76, 78. No spoilers, but there is something there that makes me cry. Yeah. And in, in that, in that deliberately silly show. In that deliberately <laughs> silly show, yeah. just like Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the bigger, and where I'm trying to go with this is we invest a portion of ourselves in these characters, like you were saying. That's right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because no. that gives us something. So, Lee, let me point this question first to you. Mm. And this is something that I, is another one of those pushbacks. Television is a substitute for something missing. What would you say to that? I would say that it can be. That it's easy to have imagined relationships or one-sided relationships with characters that you're involved with on TV who are a fictitious and B, they're not aware of you, <laughs> you know, but we still feel like we have relationships with them. And when that takes the place of your relationships in the real world, then that's that, that may be a problem. It may be a problem, but there, but the depth and diversity of stories that you can experience on contemporary television, I, I think are the potential for it to be enriching instead is uh is enormous is is a, a power to be reckoned with um this is um this is a, about a, a book and not about a tv show although i feel sure this would be true about the movies but um there's a a famous and often cited study now about people who are not familiar with the harry potter world and so this was a long time ago <laughs> but they divided them into groups and they gave them something to read and uh, they gave the other group um, the, the the first uh, Harry Potter books to read. And the question was about um, empathy for people who are in marginalized groups. And I bet you can see where this is going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because people, the people who are in the Harry Potter group, they were deeply affected by this talk of mudbloods and the, uh, the, the half wizards and so on. And this contempt for the muggles from some from some corners and so on. And they they felt that that was wrong. And when Hermione, beloved Hermione, turns out to be one of the people who's getting the scorn from the Malfoy families because she's not pure blood and all that stuff, they got angry. So the feeling is they came out of that experience having a deeper empathy in the real world for people who are marginalized, you know, for whatever reason, underrepresented. Whereas the group that had a control, and I don't know what the control was, they didn't have that experience to the same degree. So, and and is that part of what Joe Rowling was up to when she wrote the books that she wanted people to be uh, uh, empathetic and 
sensitive to people in the underrepresented groups? I don't know. Um, some of the things she's written recently don't sound like it, but uh, I, but you know, that was the effect anyway. And, and I think you get that very loud and clear from the movies too. I think so, you know, there's, there's a intellectual property franchise that I think is good for you. I may be off the question actually. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. As far as, as far as it replacing something that's missing, I agree with everything Lee said. I think it definitely can and to a certain extent. But for me, it's less of replacing something that's missing and more of escape um, in a mm. sense, uh, escaping for a moment, for a time and to think of another reality or another world. So I guess that could mm. be replacing something missing as well. Well... And, yeah. Yeah. And I just, of course, we, Star Trek is the show we'll talk about often, but just so many other, and for me, it's always science fiction that give me that sense of escape uh, when I'm mm -hmm. talking about a TV show. And I remember it, some of the worst times in my life that I can recall, I've spent just binging, binging, thank you, Netflix. It, when I was getting a disc in the mail every other week, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> binging uh, shows like Farscape, Sliders, uh, mm -hmm. every episode of SG One, which is ten seasons, you know, I just went all in yeah. on watching all of these science fiction shows. Not as a means to replace something necessarily, which I guess again it probably did do some of that, but but for me it was more of a, a means. Of escape, and people talk about it all the time with books and, and things like that, other properties. And even if you're, if we're going back to relativity, throw those earphones on and listen to relativity. You're you're, you're taken away for a little while. Mm. That's certainly one of the goals. Yeah, you know, it's like you're taken away to another world, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, and you know, we we use the term that that those of us who write this stuff, we use the term escape. Um, not in a pejorative sense at all, but that that's uh, one of the most popular shows in the golden age of radio was called Escape. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and the whole covenant of that was uh, for half an hour, you know, put the mundane world aside. We're going to go do something else mm. just to, you know, take you somewhere that you haven't been before. And it's like, mm, what's what's wrong with that? And there then ties into my entire tapestry, which is, it's all in perception. You know, it's a perception yes. filter of how we see things. You know, it can be not mind numbing, as we've just said. It can be a substitute for something else, but it can enlighten. It can teach. It can make us see things differently about other people, about ourselves. It can open us up to different sets of people connecting with people that we wouldn't have connected with otherwise, hence the three of us. The connections that we have with Shannon Perry, Nicole, the, the, you know, Dave Cooper, Louis Trapani, all these names of people that have been with us for a long time, for a short time, but have impacted us is all because of something television. And I think that's awesome that we have that choice and for that, discussing who, Doctor Who, is good for you because it's had a positive impact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I barely know Nicole Maza, for example. You know, 
we we've been in the same room what twice and <laughs> and we don't she's not on on this show that often but you know we learned recently that that she had some uh, she had a health scare and uh you know my heart stopped for a second i'm like oh no not not nicole you know we're we're connected there you go you know that just made me think of and again this is somebody that i don't know but i remember having to get up and leave the meeting I was in at work when I accidentally see a article saying that Elizabeth Slayton had died. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I remember vividly, it was just like a, you know, punch in the gut mm -hmm. and I had to get up because I knew I was about to start crying. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't know her. And we didn't know her. We did not know Elizabeth Slayton, right. you know, uh, no, no, you know, no disrespect, but we didn't know her. She didn't know us, no. but her, the work that she had done had that big of an impact yeah. positively. We knew Sarah Jane. And you knew Sarah Jane. And case in point, Clarence, you know, you and I were talking last week, The Walking Dead ended. Mm. And I spent that last episode, probably if it was an hour long, I probably spent a good 35 minutes crying in that episode because it was a, the last episode and B some of the things that went on in the episode. But at the end of it, I, I don't know. I felt refreshed. Mm. Does that make mm. sense? Mm -hmm, you kind of just felt like you needed a good cry and that let you do it. And that did give you an escape. Maybe. So back yeah. to gratitude, mm. you know, back back to the concept of gratitude. I, I again and Lee, this was your episode topic, so please feel free to jump in. And as I'm summarizing this here, but back to the concept of gratitude, we've had negativity. I've given negativity. I'll be honest with Chipnell's era, and you know, it wasn't for me, just as. RTD era might not be for someone else mm -hmm. or Moffitt's era or the Hinchcliffe era or the Terrence Dix era oh, or whoever, yeah. you know, it just, you know, wasn't, but it's all in how we look at it, that glass half full, glass half empty. And I'm glad we're the positive guys, because honestly, I don't think it would be fun for us to just get on and have a bitch session of things we don't like every no. every uh week there are a lot of podcasts out there where that's that's all it is and i i've been eager to bring this up on the show that one of my uh um, sherlockian friends in fact i i think this was was in response to um some of the the sherlock holmes tv shows and movies and things like that but she was saying what why do we hate franchises that we love <laughs> And I said, that is a profound question. And with your permission, we'll, we'll take it up on discussing who, because I do think it's interesting. I think we were talking about Star Wars now that I think about it, <laughs> because there's no hate like the hate of Star Wars fans oh, for no. Star Wars. And <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? But, you know, I, I think this may be facile, but I think the answer to the, the question, the, it's, it's an intriguing question. But the truth is, and this is one of the most valuable things I learned in college, and it was not in the classroom. All of the most valuable things I learned in college were not in the classroom. <clears throat> but 
<laughs> Let your mind work with that. But said the professor yeah, exactly. Yes, but um, <laughs> maybe that's still true. But I always I was brought up to believe that the opposite of love is hate. But hate is not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is indifference. Mm. You know, you either oh. you either care oh. or you don't. And hate then is a function of you can't hate something if you didn't really care about it in the first place. Yeah. And so said Danny Pink to Clara. Right. Remember? That's right. If you're still mad, come come back when you're not mad, when you don't care. That's right. That's right. Because he knows the only reason she's mad at him is because she loves him. If she just didn't care, yeah. Then then it doesn't. We've seen that over and over again. Yeah, it's just... I. And I think that's that's the thing is that we we go you know with our with our hearts open to see um, the next Star Wars movie, looking at you, Phantom Menace, and <laughs> and it break and it breaks your heart. You go, why that is so not what I was. Oh, and it's not because you don't care; it's because you do. And so when we've been disappointed and when we balk at things on Doctor Who, it's because we feel like this is this is our big story. You know, don't don't give me things in my story that I don't want or that I don't, that, that just frustrate me or that, you know, don't make any sense. I just, you know, that's my theory. Anyway, what do you think? Hmm, Clarence, what do you think? Why do we hate the things we love? Oh man. Um, mm. Well, I, I think as a fan, you should have a critical, maybe that's the wrong one. You should have a critical eye on it to a certain extent. But you have to give the creator the ability to take it in their own direction. And I know we've we've probably, uh, you know, talked a little bit about some of the creators not taking it, especially in the case of Doctor Who, in the direction we thought we, we, we might like it to go. But I think we have to give them that freedom to and then and it's such a huge task. We can't look at that and say it's an easy thing to do. Um, I don't envy J.J. Uh, Abrams or Ryan Johnson for trying to come in and make a sequel trilogy. You know, I don't envy Chibnall for having to come in and, and try to take Doctor Who to the next level with his first female doctor. I don't envy that. So I think we have to take it from the point of view that the task that they have at hand is hard. <laughs> is <laughs> is hard that's right that's right it, <laughs> and in chibnall's defense you hear you know it really and truly in chibnall's defense he did create doctor who you know if you say 2018 to 2022 was his tenure for the most part mm-hmm. four two of those four years were during a pandemic yeah that's it, right it, yeah, as if it's not hard enough already. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and look at the dynamic there. I mean, people were telling you, we don't mo- want more of the same. Make it different. Shake it up. You know, let's yeah, do something a right. little bit different. That is the task the creator is giving, given from day one when the show is, uh, even before the show is fully handed over to them. Let's try to make it different. Different. What is your pitch? Don't make it different. You made it different. What is your pitch yep. to take Doctor Who to the next level? And so much hinges on that idea uh, and how that idea would be accepted. Now, on paper, it could sound amazing, 
but but it's it's just a tough task for any creator. And again, you look at now where we have so much we have an, a greater ability to give instant feedback. Um, yes. It's not writing in yes. a paper and trickling out to all the masses as they pick up the paper or, or you know, you really didn't have a lot of, and maybe Lee can help me out. You really didn't have a lot of geek or property based critical television, even probably earlier than, than recently. So you have the internet, which is that sounding board, uh, and everybody's tuning in to see what everybody else is saying. And it's just like, a, you know, the, the snowball rolling down a hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Well, you know, that's just like if you look at comic books, you know, now you've mm. got all these different news sites. I remember back in the 90s when I wanted comic book news, I waited w- once a month to read Wizard mm. Magazine. Yeah. And that was my chance to find out all the news that was coming on it it wasn't instant movies siskel and ebert you waited and mm-hmm. you either watched siskel and ebert or you saw a movie review on the local news mm-hmm. you didn't go to the internet and see the review <laughs> before the film's been released <laughs> right yeah no it's true and you know worse um in in the very earliest days the uh, the quality of a show was uh uh, t- to a large degree, uh, judged by the uh, the sales of the product that was principally sponsoring them. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what what if the product wasn't any good? Mm. You know, well, too bad. No, it, it sunk your show with it. You know, <laughs> it's just it's madness. But Clarence, I think you hit on something when you said, you know, how things are just so. Like it's like a bullhorn where negativity mm. just flourishes because it's, you know, we have such immediate access. But I would speculate even back in the Shakespeare days, fan sentiment made some of his uh, works really, really well received and some of them not, not to the level that we have today, of course, but I'm sure on some level there was. If you if you're talking about the live theater, we can go back to the the origin of the art form, and it was actually uh, one of the events of the Olympics mm. in the original Olympics. Mm. Um, yeah, and we don't we don't have arts in our Olympics today, which is you know that was my one shot at being a Olympic medalist, <laughs> but uh, but in, but yeah, originally. And the the medalists, you know, the the plays that uh, were judged to be the winners, those are the plays that we're still doing today. The Oedipus and Lysistrata and plays like that. Those are the ones that were the champions. The rest of them are gone. Mm. Mm. You know, so all of which is to say this has always been the case. (laughs) Yeah. If, If an audience turns their back on something, that's it. Because I know we've talked about positive and negative, but I really think that the positive and the negative aspects do tie into gratitude because part of the science of having the gratitude journal and seeing things is the more thankful you are, the more you tend to go toward positive thinking as opposed to what do I have versus what I don't have we can translate that into what do I like mm-hmm. what versus what do, do I dislike? It's, it's all in the mindset. That's right. So 
having a mindset. We always like to give our favorite quotes and favorite scene, but since we're not doing that, I'm going to let you guys give as many as you want. I started with five and I couldn't come up with five. <laughs> I put it down to three. I still couldn't give myself three. So I'm only going to have two of each, but I want to do our, however many you have favorite TV shows that you are thankful for. And however many you have favorite fictional characters that you are thankful for. So let's start with favorite TV shows that you are thankful for. Clarence, I'll start with you. What are your favorite TV shows you are thankful for and why? I think one of the earliest TV shows I can remember being into was the Bill Bixby Hulk back in the day. And yeah and that that signature piano i mean that's one of my favorites and and uh yeah. i'm very much thankful for that and and maybe less so than some of the other ones i'm going to mention just because the other ones i think got me through t- certain times but this one is just a kid you know uh seeing a property seeing this this person come into something greater or turn into something greater hulk out as they say so mm-hmm. from from a kid seeing that, I was just grateful to have that and and, and joy coming up. And it's always <laughs> it's always great to go back and watch it, even though it's just a man with green paint on. But I loved it. <laughs> We're so spoiled but, these days. <laughs> well, but but it was an idea, right? I mean, yeah. And and how many of us of a certain age did not punch the air in She-Hulk recently when Jennifer oh, Walters yes. said to somebody, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> they recreated the yes. intro. Oh Thank my you. God. It was oh, so that great. was so beautiful. So, yes. And, 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 and back to our point of gratitude, the feeling we get when they get it right. I mean, we, yes. we can't, we can't was... undervalue the feeling we get when they actually get the thing right. And I know there's countless examples we can we can mention of them actually getting it right. And I, I dare say it might outweigh yeah. the negativity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's your is that your list, Clarence? Uh, that the, oh. that uh, other shows that I really love. I think I mentioned a few of them earlier. Uh, of course, Star Trek, mm-hmm. but but other shows besides Star Trek, because uh, I know Lee has that covered. I, just. I, <laughs> Stargate, I love all the Stargates. All those shows bring me joy. Again, I just in, in the early hours, I just had a sci-fi binge of going back and watch stuff from the nineties that I missed. And uh, I, yeah. I, I, talking about going to other worlds, I love the show Sliders. Um, uh-huh. Just each week, we're in a different place, parallel universe. I think that show is is something everybody should check out if you have not. It's a great show. Um, but yeah, just all of that sci-fi Farscape, things like that. I just I just ate up uh, in the early odds. And those are the shows that for me got me through a, a certain time where I was probably, you know, going through something, you know, not so great in my life. So. All right. Lee, what about you? Well, it'd, be, it'd feel disloyal if I didn't say that I'm grateful to Doctor Who for existing <laughs> and for continuing to exist and to, to keep changing, to keep changing all. And um this may be fodder for another episode, but I've been going back and watching some of the classic series again, and I've had some revelations about Chibnall as a result that have that have made me rethink. Well, for one thing, I've been thinking, as as Clarence very wisely observed, this is hard. 
<laughs> this is really, really hard. Um, and you can't please everybody. But anyway, um, I guess that's off topic. But, you know, just I think about how much joy uh, Doctor Who has given me over the years. And, um, yeah, and I've, I've talked about Star Trek, the original series, enough and too much. But it it has been such an enormous part of my um and I've gained so much, um, you know, from, well, for people who know the original series, and I'll, I'll, I'll help by saying the episode, The Devil in the Dark, with the Horta, mm. that uh, early on in my knowing her, um, I was crossing a street one time with Karen, um, who was somebody that I knew and liked, and uh, it looked like a car was not going to stop as they approached the intersection, and she said, no kill I, which is what the Horta writes into the stone after touching Spock's mind. Mm. And uh, I, I, I just stopped in the middle of the street. I was just looking at it thinking, <laughs> God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> who is this woman who says, no kill, I like the Horda. Yeah. Mm. So, I don't know. I had done that once before with somebody. I was uh, I was doing makeup on somebody in a, uh, years ago when I was a special effects makeup artist. And was, I was aging this lady for a show role she was playing. And... Um, she said something that was a quote from Star Trek. And I said, whoa, oh, here's somebody who, who knows Star Trek. She said, I know everything about Star Trek. And I said, well, everything is a lot. Uh, Queen to Queen's level three. And she said, Queen to King's level one. Come on. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, wow. I said, okay. <laughs> I'm, I may be in over my head. But that's, that is the correct uh, response. Anyway, um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 has been going on in various forms for 30, nearly 30 years now. And I love every iteration of it. And uh, my wife and I are both big fans. And we could just, sometimes we're just laughing until our sides hurt. And sometimes we just have it on, you know, kind of in the background. But it's just, for us, it's, it's like a, a constant companion. And um, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's such a fun concept. And it works and they keep, and like Dr. Who, it keeps changing and the, you know, the cast of characters keep changing and, and they go on forward. So, um, and, um, finally I was reminded just recently of how much the 1966 Batman series has meant to me in my life. And that is, uh, it, um, in one sense, really silly, but, but it was intended to be silly. So <laughs> there's, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a whole, that whole camp aesthetic about that show still just delights me. It just, people who are, who are serious, diehard Batman comic fans, I think, treat it with a good deal of contempt. And I, I, I can understand why, because they feel that their, their hero is being made fun of. But, um, you know, that, that was not the intent. Comic books served a different purpose in our culture in 1966 than they do now. I don't know. The the humor of it is just sort of pure. It, it it works for just about any audience. They could just watch that and they will get something out of it. So, you know, long live the Adam West Batman, old chum. Mm. Awesome. I actually wrote a couple down while you guys were talking. Ooh. So I actually, my list grew. <laughs> so Doctor Who is going to be without saying and for all the things we've said for the last 50 minutes doctor who 
believe it or not, the soap opera Another World oh, yeah. falls on mm-hmm. the list for very, very many reasons. I learned how to tell time in part because of of because of Another World. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. aunt taught me that when the clock gets here, when another world comes on, that means it's three hours before your mother gets off work. Mm -hmm. When it goes off, that means it's two hours. So, you know, that concept of time came is tied to another world. Um, Mm -hmm. I have milestones of people who have passed on that I would watch another world with as a child. Mm -hmm. All of this for for until it went off the air, have you know, I have memories of that soap opera. Yes, it was a soap opera, but it is tied intricately to who I am today in my memories. So finally I remember, you know, that soap opera Another World. And how ironic um, like this, I said, we're talking about science fiction franchises mostly, but this one was not. But it's called Another it is World. Not. <laughs> but it is not. Yeah. But that's I love the irony of that. I would probably have picked that out of the TV guide and said, oh, I got to watch this. It's called Another World. (laughs) Well, believe it or not, here's a little bit of trivia. Mm. It was actually intended to be, because it was produced by Procter & Gamble. I know way too much, but it was produced by Procter & Gamble and it was intended to be a spinoff to the CBS As the World Turns, but they did not option to pick it up nbc did instead <laughs> they changed the name of the city and that was why it was another world what? as the world turns another interesting ridiculous. <laughs> it takes place on earth so, b yeah yeah it's earth it's earth two. <laughs> oh my god so the first multiverse so, so the, okay, that's fantastic yeah. may the 4th 1964 to june the 25th 1999 anyway yeah. um uh, so, yeah, I was a big Another World fan. The other one is, Clarence, this one is for you. I actually put The Walking Dead on mm. my list because it taught me a very important lesson. Don't assume. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch The Walking yeah. Dead, Clarence. It's about zombies. It's not about the zombies. <laughs> and it wasn't about the zombies. I remember whenever I had my... um surgery a couple of years back i binged one of the seasons i think it was the seventh or eighth season and there's a character every time she walked in the door i was going carol (laughs) carol came in the carol came in the door but yeah i mean it it taught me so many things the others i want to see if you guys can see a commonality this i'm just going to group these together but as a small child in the 70s and a you know a little older child in the 80s the jeffersons the facts of life different strokes mm-hmm. give me a break any of those have you see a commonality in any of those anybody mm. jeffersons facts of life different strokes give me a break i i was aware of them all you know but didn't follow any, didn't follow them closely but they were Every every one of them had an interracial cast, yeah. mm. and, and they were groundbreaking and, in that way, right? And they were groundbreaking yeah. in that way. Yeah, they were among the and first to really. Growing up with that, you know, so many things, and knowing who the adult I became, mm-hmm. you know, I really think that the television that I watched helped in, helped influence my real world being, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, you know, yeah. because that 
that did, I think, maybe not largely, but I just find that that is a pattern of things that I remember fondly watching, and if they were all presented to where, regardless of what your race was, you had, in the facts of life, you had a white girl and you had a black girl living in the same room and it was no big deal. Yeah. You know, and, and, and as a small kid, I grew up on that thinking, Oh, that's no big deal. So that's what I'm, I mean, I'm thankful that I grew up thinking that's no big deal. That's right. So let's move on to fictional characters. So Lee, I'm going to start with you this time. What fictional characters are you thankful for? I am of course grateful for the doctor and, and we, we wrote, um, I think a great chapter of the book, real characters about how the doctor changes. And yet there are things about them that always, um, that are central, you know, that don't change. And those are the things that we admire. And I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism. And I'm, I'm never not going to be grateful that there is such a, a character on TV. And uh, like I said, Mr. Spock got me through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a long time before, surprisingly, a long time before I really uh, attached to Sherlock Holmes. But I owe a lot of my life, the best things in my life, to Sherlock Holmes. And I am so very grateful for that. Um, so those are my those are my big three. Okay. Clarence Brown, what to say ye? Oh man, I have to mention uh, t- uh, a character from a show called A Different World, not another world. Uh Dwayne <laughs> Wayne. He was a college student who was into computers, nerdy guy with the flip glasses, but he kind of made it made me want to get into computers just by being that character on that television show played by Kadeem Hardison. So yeah, he's the whole reason I'm into computers uh, in a large sense (laughs) because he was a computer science guy on that show. So, and he got the pretty girl, obviously. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so definitely Dwayne Wayne from a different world. And also I really love uh, uh, Jack O'Neill from Stargate, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, also MacGyver, that dude is so funny and hilarious. And again, <laughs> I love Stargate, him and Stargate. So definitely him as well. Uh, I got to mention Benjamin Sisko, of course, uh, role model to his son and also commander of Terok Nor. So he was amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. it I can think, I could go on, but those are some of my favorites. And I, of course, I have to mention the doctor and his many iterations as well. Uh, so, yeah. What about you, Cal? For me, I'm just going to go ahead and say the doctor for all the reasons. I am going to say Storm because Storm, the character, appearing as I first saw saw her on Spider-Man and his amazing friends, my fascination with her led me to the X-Men, which would be, if you were to name my all-time favorite comic book property, would hands down, I love the X-Men more than any of the properties and I would not have met the X-Men had it not have been for that fascination of storm Mm. tied to that. I'm going to go with wonder woman, similar how you went with the Hulk TV show. 
it was the Wonder Woman, and, and I know this isn't a TV show, but it was the Wonder Woman TV show that led me to the Wonder Woman character mm-hmm. for comics, which then introduced me to comics in general. So if I had not have seen Wonder Woman, I would not have cared about Storm and I wouldn't have cared about et cetera and so forth and mm. so on. So I'm thankful mm-hmm. for that. That's, um, that is my top three. So, gentlemen, in closing, do either of you have any other things that you would like to bring up before we get out of here? I have been wanting to shout out to um, Chris Temby, who is uh, a, a faithful listener to this podcast and uh, who I'm getting to know better thanks to uh, uh, Facebook. And um, on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, Chris posted a piece of art you know, with a, with a slogan on it, you know, these kind of greeting card things turn up everywhere, but this, this really, uh, hit me just right. It's, it has a cornucopia, you know, with fruits and vegetables coming out of it. And it says, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Mm. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Oh, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Yeah. That is actually not good. That is deep. It is. It's really profound. If you sit here and think about mm-hmm. it for a while. Right. Wow. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story that I've heard about, and I can't remember who the who the characters are, but it's a bit apparently a, a historical true story. But somebody, one of the super rich, you know, is talking to some other guys and uh, he goes off and, and the, the, the people left behind say, wow, he's, he's somebody who's got everything. And... Uh, and the other person says, no, you've got something he doesn't have. Enough. Mm. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Yeah. Same mm. thing. Same idea, I think. He'll never have enough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, what about you, Mr. Well, Brown? Anyway, no? uh, I'll just add that we should, well, I would encourage everyone to be grateful to if if you can't even more than you already should be, just be grateful for your family members around you, the people you interact with. I'll even extend that even further to uh, your entertainment, whether that be celebrities, writers, or whatever. Support, lend that support as a as a token of your thankfulness in any way you can, whether that's monetarily or whatever. Just you know, going to meet them at a convention. I know that's is getting something in return, but getting autographed for him, you know, you're, you're supporting them that way. Uh, I think of one of the actors of this show that was just out of my time. I was probably a little bit too old to be watching it at the time, but the show called Power Rangers and, and um, one of the, the members of the original cast uh, passed away this, this last few weeks. And that just made mm. me extremely sad. So I just want to say, be thankful for, your entertainers while they're still around if you if you're so inclined and you know in an age where we live in hyperpartisanship and everything is segmented to left right and center mm. you know maybe the good thing to remember is we all bleed red we all have feelings and look for the positive don't look for the negative and just be thankful and let that be enough. How about that? It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. That means, guess what, guys? That means I get to say at this point, are you ready? No, I'm not looking for a recorder. No. 
No. I've lost it. But I must say, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 